name you think of when someone mentions a game manager type of quarterback? Is it Trent Dilfer? It's always been that with me. And I hear that one a lot. Maybe it's somebody else for you. But hey, how about Ben Roethlisberger? Good morning to you. Good Monday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Steelers. Comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into hockey and or baseball. I also offer up daily shots of Penguins and Pirates right where you found this. Hope you had a good, safe, um, out there, enjoying the sunshine and the fun and the picnics and the boating, all the boating that came back into the downtown area yesterday over the 4th of July holiday and weekend so, so uplifting to see all of this. And it's also a sign, as ever, that football is not all that far away. I'm hearing that training camp for the Steelers will open on July 23. So we're talking about 18 days from now. And when it does, when it does, the real fun in that is going to be watching this offense try to turn itself into something. And we've gotten over the past few weeks into the various components. How is the offensive line going to mesh? How about just the tackles? Who's going to be the starting tight end? Is James Washington going to get onto the field with the other wide receivers? What about Najee Harris? And at the end of the day, it all still comes down to Ben. And being more specific than that, it comes down to Ben's ability slash willingness to back off high pass attempt numbers. I don't need to tell anybody who's listening to a show called Daily Shot of Steelers that the more pass attempts you make, the greater the chance you'll have lost that game. That's been true in football going back to leather helmets. And it was true for the Steelers in the 2020 season. As the schedule got deeper, and once the Steelers got past 7-0, and and then uh, you know the awful game in Arlington, Texas against the Cowboys, you started to see Ben just say, you know what? We can't run. I can't run. I can't in good conscience turn around and just keep blindly handing the ball off when we're not getting any yards. So I'm going to put it up. I'm going to put it up. It's been Ben's answer to everything that's gone wrong at any stage of his career. So I'm not even blaming him for anything. He just said, listen, this isn't working. I know how to fix it because I've always known how to fix it, and I'm going to do it now. But then... He dropped back to pass, and his offensive line, which was nowhere near as good as it might seem they were based on Ben having made it through the season healthy, wouldn't give him any time. And he was rushed, and he was firing the ball off, and he was throwing nothing but these quick little slants. And Randy Feetner went right along with it, and Randy Feetner got away from all of the motion and everything else that Matt Canada wanted to do. 
And you saw it. You saw it. And if you didn't see it, just pop the Cincinnati tape in. You know? Just do that. You won't see a more grotesque display of offense by any NFL franchise anywhere, never mind one that's being conducted by a no-doubt slam-dunk first-year-of-eligibility Hall of Fame quarterback. I still can't believe I witnessed that, and I was there. Still can't believe it. Cincinnati. Outright embarrassing. So how does Ben advance past that and, in fact, return the offense to something that can be a legitimate threat? I'm not going to use terms like, you know, elite and, and, and everything else that people like to bandy about. The Steelers have never needed, certainly not with this quality of defense, an elite offense. All they needed last year was an offense that was less than catastrophic to win every single game they played. Even if the defense takes a slight step backward this year, as most people are expecting, the offense still doesn't need to be extraordinary. It doesn't need to be putting up 45 points a game or something crazy like that to win. It just doesn't. What it needs is to be executed. And what it needs within that is for Ben to be the manager. There's that word. This portion of Daily Shot of Steelers is brought to you by the personal injury firm of Luxembourg, Garbett, Kelly, and George. LGKG, they represent people who are hurt in car accidents, who need assistance with workers' comp, who filed medical malpractice claims. The attorneys at LGKG have been designated super lawyers, capital S, capital L, complete with capes and everything. For over 15 years, the super lawyer designation is reserved for the top 5% of all attorneys in Pennsylvania. You can learn more about this personal injury law firm at lgkg.com or by calling 888-842-5454. When I think of the ultimate way that this offense could function, I tend to revert to simple snap counts or touches. And I think back to when Le'Veon Bell was at his peak, which it would not be fair to expect from Najee Harris as a rookie, particularly behind a, an offensive line this green. But when I think of, of peak Lev, I'm picturing the way Tomlin would give him 30, 35 touches a game. Sometimes it was you know, straight handoff up the middle, sometimes be on a sweep. Sometimes it would be a pass out of the backfield, a screen, other times, and, and this was rare, but it happened, Lev would line up at wide receiver. Caught touchdowns like that, remember? And that's the kind of thing I think you can expect from Tomlin and his approach to Harris. I, I believe that Tomlin is going to take that it's okay to run the wheels off of this kid mentality to an extent, to an extent, because Tomlin also has to understand that this kid's going to go from playing a dozen college games a year, some of those against 
Fresno State and whoever else Alabama would fill their schedule with to 17 NFL games a year plus, ideally, playoffs. And you have to be at your best in playoffs for those playoffs to matter. So there's a balance to be struck. But if Najee Harris is getting touches in the 30 range, then you're going to see this offensive balance working the way it needs to. Because Ben will trust his running game. The offensive line will gain confidence from run blocking. Any offensive lineman will tell you that's where it starts because they get to knock people on their rear ends. The wide receivers will be considered, as they should be, a secondary option in the offense. And as such, you'd figure, would be having an easier time getting open and offering Ben more options. If Pat Fryermuth, as I hope, bumps Eric Ebron from starting tight end, you're going to have a kid who's a really good blocker and a threat in the passing game. All of that's positive, but it's got to be balanced out. The fact that Canada has put in new plays, not new wrinkles, new plays, new philosophies into the offense, it's not just about the motion. Trust me on that. It's new. And it's going to take a while for the Steelers to figure it out, but as a result, it's going to take even longer for the opponents, even the divisional opponents, to figure it out. It's not just going to be the same old unimaginative Randy thing that I'm sure opposing coaches were laughing at. The Steelers were so predictable under Feetner. Ben has to go along for this ride. He has to. And whatever bruising his ego might take if someone like me or you or whoever refers to him as a game manager because he's just turning around and handing the ball off or he's just executing a simple play here or a simple play there. All he needs to do is to compare it to how he felt that night in Cincinnati when it looked like he was completely done. He can do this. He really can. When we come back, just one question. Welcome back. It's time for Just One Question, and today's comes from my man Mike down in Jacksonville, who says, Devin Bush retweeting the video of the cat falling and thinking it's funny is pretty disturbing. Should the Steelers be worried as enjoying videos like that could be a sign of more serious issues with Bush? Mike, I'm inclined to file this in the same place that I file most Twitter discussions. Twitter in particular, out of all the various social media, is the one that's the most likely to get you in trouble. Let me start with that. Because the beauty of Twitter, meaning the upside, is that it's so, so fast. Our staff at DK Pittsburgh Sports, uh, we talk about that a lot. 
we talk about the speed that there is with Twitter. If we're witnessing something um, at a practice that we're allowed by NFL rules to report or there's some kind of news or something. We go back and forth internally about, well, what is it that you want to think about first before you put it out? Because it's so fast and so available to you. And being honest with you here, there's a temptation to want to be first on things, to want to be breaking something, to become, you know, that, that tough as nails reporter who's digging deep. Twitter is merciless in that regard. You think it, you type it, it's less than 281 characters, and poo, there it goes. And if you've got a big following, if you've got a significant number of people paying attention to you, there is no reset button on it. There's no edit, obviously. It's just out there. You can delete it. But by then, everyone, now not everyone, enough people have seen it that they'll screenshot it thinking, oh man, (laughs) this is definitely getting deleted. I want evidence of this. If it's on the internet, it's on there forever, as a lot of people like to say. What in the world Devin Bush was thinking, retweeting a video of a cat falling several stories to its apparent death and then laughing about it I have no earthly idea he's had a strange week on Twitter he had uh, comments that he made that kind of started this whole little role about never wanting to be on TikTok and if you ever have a TikTok camera stay away from me which sounded like a shot at Juju Smith-Schuster and Chase Claypool then he took it back and hey we're all good we're all friends and And then he started with these bizarre rants about how if you send me money, I'll stop tweeting. And it it all felt really unstable. And it felt like something that we'd never seen from him before. Now, he's had some unusual behavior. If you go back to his time in college, whenever he went out to the middle of the field and was stomping violently, I believe this was at Michigan State stomping violently, angrily on the logo for an extended period. And I got to tell you, I've never experienced that Devin Bush. Uh, When I've dealt with him, he's been the most mild-mannered, polite, uh, soft-spoken, proud but not boastful uh, kid you'd ever want to be around. So I I don't know. To answer your question, Mike, to try to answer it without getting into the cat video itself, because the cat video was just one of, I'm not downplaying it, it's just that it was one of many things that he went off in a string to the point where Zach Banner tweeted out that when the next time he sees Bush, he's just going to confiscate his phone from him. Now he's joking, but, you know, maybe not all that much. Should the Steelers be worried? Yes. The answer is the Steelers should be worried about all of their players as it relates to social media and as it relates to any kind of outbursts that might look like they're head scratchers. 
So I'm hoping that someone at the Steelers pays attention, uh, not just because of the one video, not just because the one thing was in, in, in awful taste, but out of concern for the athlete and the person. And I'm genuinely trying not to make too much of it. Uh, but it's just it's been a really, really weird week for him. And, and I think underplaying stuff like that in modern times can be a mistake. I appreciate the question, Michael. That's, that's a good one. And I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Steelers. And we will do another one of these tomorrow. Mm-hmm.